The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Alumni Ventures. Invest with confidence. Discover the power of venture investing with Alumni Ventures, America's largest venture firm for individual investors. Learn more at av.vc. LinkedIn News. Hi, I'm Daniel Roth, LinkedIn's Editor-in-Chief. Welcome to This Is Working. On this show, we talk to leaders who have a significant impact on how we work and how we live. My guest today is Everett Taylor. Everett is a unique leader. Armed with only a high school diploma, he embarked on an unusual rise to the C-suite. Everett was an entrepreneur and marketer, building his career at companies like Eastern National and United Way, eventually landing the CMO job at Artsy, the largest online art brokerage. Then last month, he was announced as the new CEO of crowdsource funding site Kickstarter, that move to CEO is a rare jump for someone from marketing. And he arrives just in time. Kickstarter was a funding revolution for entrepreneurs when it first launched. But over the last two years, Kickstarter's audience has flagged. It saw a dip in usership in 2020, laid off about 40% of its workforce, and announced a pivot to blockchain technology, which was met with jeers by users. Everett's appointment is meant to bring the company back to its former glory. He says he's going to be aggressive with changes to the platform and in particular focus on winning over Gen Z. So what are those changes? Well, we caught him on his second week as CEO, so he says he's not ready to reveal them just yet. To kick us off, I asked what made him so willing to talk about his new role just days after starting it. Here's our conversation. I think it's because it's very authentic. Anybody who knows me throughout my entire career, I'm a straight shooter. When I speak to our audience and our creators, I'll let them know when I don't know something or, you know, I'm still learning, I'm still listening. I wanted to hit the ground running. I felt like this was an important moment and a critical moment in Kickstarter's history. And I wanted to make sure that I got the word out there about all the amazing things that we were doing at Kickstarter right away and really um, help reboot the brand and, and bring some energy and enthusiasm. And yeah, I don't, I don't really fear that because I, I know that I'm always gonna speak authentically and um, I'm really aligned and authentic with the brand. And you say it's a critical time, you talk about rebooting. What's going on at Kickstarter that makes you feel that way? What's interesting about Kickstarter is over the past couple years, we've had our most successful years ever, right? The, the pandemic years, we had 30% growth during that time, which is a lot for a brand that's been around for as long as Kickstarter has. But you can feel that the brand doesn't feel as invigorated mm. over the past couple years, despite some of that success. And so for me, I wanted to come in, really bring some excitement, let people know, hey, we're still the dominant players in the space. Crowdfunding is still a viable option for so many people, especially those where venture capital or traditional investments may not make sense. And I just wanted to get in here and really start to spread the gospel. It's interesting. You would think that with all the success, that would be, it would just build on itself. Is there something in particular you feel like has changed in either how creators see it or how backers see it that has, is there something going on in the environment? Is there something going on at Kickstarter? What, why isn't it just continuing to build with all the success? I don't think Kickstarter, and I, I can speak transparently, I don't think we've done a great job of like engaging kind of the newer generations, like, you know, millennials and Gen Xers, Kickstarter, everyone knows Kickstarter. You might speak to your average Gen Zer and they may not know what Kickstarter is. And so I think 
when you're a dominant player in a space, sometimes you can get a little comfortable. You can not innovate the way that you should. You may not push the boundaries the way that you should. And I think Kickstarter has a lot of room to grow and a lot to improve on. Interesting. So your background is you were a CMO before coming yes. in as CEO. It is unusual to see someone going from the CMO position to the CEO position. Yeah. Would you talk about why you think Kickstarter said we need you with your skills to come in and, and help the brand right now? Yeah, it's, it's very rare. I was just having a conversation with the CMO and they were telling me how inspiring it was to see because very often CMOs get overlooked for CEO roles, despite being the voice of the customer, despite being integral to product development and things like that. I think there's three reasons why coming out of the CMO seat at Artsy, um, I was a pretty good fit for the brand. Number one, obviously what we talked about before is that Kickstarter needs <laughs> a kick in terms of like, you know, marketing and brand brand marketing and, and awareness to new audiences. And I think I've shown a history and track record of being able to successfully scale companies and do really great marketing. Number two, product. I have a lot of product experience in, in, in terms of running product and product strategy. And I think that from a Kickstarter standpoint, the room for growth for our product and to innovate on our product, there's a lot to do and to have a more user-centric strategy when it comes to building our product. Really actively listening to our users and our creators and backers to build the product that they've been asking for. And number three is from a culture standpoint, I'm gonna be aggressive. I'm gonna bring energy. I'm gonna bring inclusivity. I'm gonna really change what Kickstarter looks like, how Kickstarter feels, internally and externally, and I think that's why I was a really good fit for the role. Yeah, I wanna get into all of those, but I wanna start with something you said before you answer those three, which is that it's very rare for the CMO to become a CEO and that they're often passed over. Why do you think that is? Man, that's a really good question, and I wish I had a, a, a really good answer for that, and maybe I'm a little bit biased, but I think a lot of it comes from traditional thinking, right? You see a lot of COOs and CFOs get elevated to a CEO spot, and typically, if, you, if you're hiring a CEO, you're hiring another CEO. You're not hiring someone from another C-suite role. And I think that sometimes marketers get a bad rep and get limited in our scope and our abilities to truly drive change and growth in a business. And I think a lot of CMOs are absolutely misunderstood. I mean, you see CMOs have the shortest tenure in the C-suite. Very unrealistic expectations, but a lot of times CMOs don't have the resources to really be successful and the, the, the power to maybe have more influence on product, have more influence on the user experience that you need to really drive change. And, you know, I feel very fortunate to be in this position and I feel immense responsibility going from CMO to CEO to show that we can really do this and I'm going to do this. It's so interesting. So you think that the this idea of CEOs are hiring other people who look like them. Yeah. And so you end up with exactly, it just is a, sure. is a reinforcing cycle yeah. where the CMOs are never, you're kind of never in the conversation. Yeah. yeah. So do you plan to change how you work with your CMO? So we don't actually currently have a CMO are you gonna have at one? Kickstarter. We'll see. I'm not sure. You know, this is week two. Uh, I'm sure at some point I will hire a CMO. Right now I'm just like evaluating as much as I can and, you know, Fortunately, I'm just coming out of the CMO seat, so I can definitely help on that side from the marketing and brand perspective at Kickstarter. But 
I definitely welcome a CMO at some point in my tenure and really look forward to working with them and putting them in a position to be successful. And I think that's really important. Yeah, so how do you do that? What would you do differently as CEO to make sure your CMO is successful versus other positions you've been in or things you have heard from other people who are in your old walk of life saying, I have to leave this company or I'm getting pushed out. You mentioned the short tenure that CMOs have. So is there anything that you're like, all right, now that I'm in this position, I'm gonna do things differently? Yeah, I think uh, Mike Stibe, my CEO at Artsy, I think he really laid the groundwork of what it should look like, that CMO to CEO relationship. And he has this first team mentality where the executive team is the first team. And so no matter what your position is on the exec team, you have a voice and influence into different parts of the business, right? And so any CMO that I'm gonna work with, they're gonna have a seat at the table. They're not just gonna focus on marketing, they're gonna have influence on product, they're gonna have influence on engineering, they're gonna have influence on other parts of the business because that's extremely important. Marketing can only be successful if all the other flywheels are working successfully. Hmm. So what do you like as a manager? Man, you know, I think I'm a human first manager. I really want to be connected to people. I think my strength as a manager is my ability to be empathetic, my ability to put myself in other people's shoes. You know, Um, people have all different things going in their lives. And sometimes I think a lot of managers and a lot of leaders aren't empathetic to that. And so I'm always trying to go a little bit deeper in my relationships to, to really understand the people that I work with and make sure that they feel safe, that they feel heard, that they feel supported always. Do you have examples where you have done that successfully at any of your companies and you've got a you've been in many places uh, yeah. where that's worked well for you or where that has where someone's done that for you and you feel like it's helped you in your career? Yeah, I mean, back at Artsy, I mean with Mike Stibe, like again, being a CMO, it's rough out here. <laughs> and to have a CEO that really supports you believes in you, um, gives you the ability to, to learn and grow and make mistakes, I think that's extremely important. And I wanna reflect that onto other people that I work with as well. You mentioned that you're not scared of anything that you, because of how- Not, not anything, God, like not spiders somebody's... and heights, but you know, yeah. most things. No. So tell me a little bit about what enabled you to develop that kind of you know, iron uh, persona. Listen, man, I'm from Southside Richmond. And if anybody knows Southside Richmond, Virginia, I have to clarify. And if you know anything about Southside Richmond, you have to be tough. You know, every day, you know, you have to protect yourself. You got to be safe. There's a lot of madness going on around you. And I've seen a lot of crazy things when I was growing up. And, you know, some of those things that is still a little traumatic for me, you know. Um, But I think growing up in that type of environment, something like being a CEO, that's, that's nothing. You know, being a CEO is not life or death. You know, being a CEO isn't, you know, seeing your family struggle or your mom struggle or people not be able to put food on their table. You know, being a CEO is not dealing with, you know, seeing family members be addicted to drugs or struggle or whatever that may be. Like, this is nothing. You know, managing a P&L is not, you know, uh, what I experienced growing up. And so for me, I feel like anything is possible. Um, I talked about this on LinkedIn recently. I'm a black CEO of a tech company. Not a lot of us. Mm -hmm. 33 years old. Not a lot of young CEOs. I only have a high school diploma. Not a lot of that either. So to me, you can't tell me to be scared. Why? I've already proved 
people wrong and I will continue to prove people wrong. I don't need to have imposter syndrome. I've already gone beyond my wildest dreams. I'm sitting right in front of Dan Roth. Like what? That's crazy. You know, like people where I'm from, they don't get to experience those things. When I travel around the world and I'm seeing all these beautiful things and experiencing all of these things, I'm like, wow, people like myself aren't supposed to be here. And that's what's so beautiful about this Kickstarter experience, because I want to be an inspiration, not only to all of the creators in the space and backers and things like that, but also little boys and girls or people coming up that you have nothing to fear. And in our careers, a lot of times we're facing imposter syndrome. We're facing all of these different things. And it's like, it's just a job, man. It's just a job at the end of the day. But I could see people taking it exactly the opposite way, which is yeah. wearing that imposter syndrome all the time of saying, I'm being judged for all of these things, not going to the right schools, growing up in this part of town, not having these experiences. You've taken that as a way to, as something that says, you can't hurt me. I've seen so much more than you'll ever see. So what do you say to people though that treat it the opposite, that are saying like, this is, these are, this is a barrier that's gonna stop me from getting ahead? But it is a true barrier. I'm not, I'm not discounting that yeah. it's, it's not a barrier. Like people see the success and this is a beautiful moment. I'm getting all of this love. But a couple years ago, I was having some of the hardest years of my life dealing with mental health and depression and things like that. And I talked about how like a lot of times my best years are followed after my worst years. And a lot of times, especially when you have, you know, you talk to a lot of incredible people, right? And, you know, they talk about all the great things that they're doing, but no one talks about the failures that often. No one talks about the disappointments. I can't tell you the amount of rejections and people who turn me down. I remember I was, I was about to sign one of my first big VP roles, and then they found out that I didn't have a college degree, and it was a requirement for the job, and I lost out on that. And I was excited. I was already planning, you know, man, the salary. I was like, oh, I'm about to do this with this and I'm about to do this with that. And like at the 11th hour, they came back to me and they said, oh, you don't have a college degree. So people don't realize right. like I've had so many disappointments in my career, so many pitfalls in my career, but you just got to keep going and you got to understand that there's always something better on the other side. And so for the people that are dealing with imposter syndrome, just understand that you are powerful. You are the star in your own movie. Don't treat yourself like a supporting character. You are the star in your own life and you got to continue to push through no matter what. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more with Everett Taylor. I'm Jesse Hempel, host of Hello Monday. In my 20s, I knew what I wanted for my career. But from where I am now in the middle of my life, Nothing feels as certain. Work's changing, we're changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of any of it. So every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. We talk about making career pivots, about purpose and how to discern it, about where happiness fits into the mix and how to ask for more money. Come join us in the Hello Monday community. Let's figure out the future together. Listen to Hello Monday with Jesse Hempel wherever you get your podcasts. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and so many tools to keep track of. 
Doing business can be hard, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. And we're back. Everett knows there are stars out there who might be overlooked during traditional recruiting processes. So I asked how his journey has impacted his approach to hiring. I do my own recruiting. Like, yes, I have my own recruiting team, but for key roles at my company, I'm like, you know, I got my little uh, LinkedIn premium account and I'm over there and I'm like looking and searching and being like, you know, looking up different people for different roles. And I tried to look for people with very interesting backgrounds and diverse backgrounds and people that may not normally get into our funnel for jobs. And so I actually enjoy that. And I was speaking to to Fred Wilson, who's on the board of Kickstarter. And, you know, he said one of the important things as a CEO is hiring and retaining talent. And I take that extremely seriously. So what do you do? I mean, do you have a, a particular way of spotting talent that goes beyond the diploma, goes beyond the network? I look at experience. I look at what kind of experience that they had and what kind of relative experience that they have that could be important for that role. And it might not be what you may think it is, right? Say high school diploma, and this person is is a car salesman and has been working at like BMW or et cetera, et cetera, and maybe not have a college degree. But if I'm looking for sales in the luxury business, wow, you're working with BMW. If you've ever been to any car lot or, or place, these are some of the best salesmen, right? right? Like yeah. they are really aggressive, you know? And so for me, that could be somebody that could be great for a great tech sales role, but has never gotten the opportunity to do that, you know? And so looking at those different kind of uh, skill sets that may be aligned with something in the tech world is, is really important. That's great. Yeah. You mentioned product, new products that you want to launch or changes that you want to kickstart. Are you ready to talk about any of that yet? Or is this still, uh, you know, it's, work in progress? It's, it's still, it's still kind of under wraps. But what I can say is that we're about to be very aggressive. We've been actively listening to our users and really shifting our strategy to build the things that they want. I'm not gonna say what we're building, but if you're actively listening to what our creators and users are saying, you could probably predict the things that we're about to build and what we're about to bring to market. And so I'm really excited about that. And uh, I really wanna move fast and, and really build something that our community can truly be proud of. And more than anything, help people be more successful on the platform. That's why I'm here. You know, Kickstarter is a public benefit corporation. We don't maximize for profits, right? Like our goal at Kickstarter is to help as many people bring creative projects to life across all of those different categories. So for me, that's what I'm all about, making sure that people are more successful on the platform and the people that are backing uh, the projects on Kickstarter, that they're having a great experience, that they're getting the fulfillment of the things that they're, you know, when they're backing projects, that they're actually receiving the things that they're backing. So making sure that both sides is having a better experience and everyone is being successful. And on the creator side, are there tips that you would give entrepreneurs, someone is starting a company, they want to launch a product. Yeah. What do you tell people to do if they are thinking about going the Kickstarter route? I wish everyone went the Kickstarter route, but everyone is not necessarily a fit 
for Kickstarter, right? And obviously we focus on creative projects and we have uh, different things that we're like, if you're like trying to raise money for like, you know, real estate investments, Kickstarter is not the platform to do that. We don't allow that on the platform, right? But if you want to make an incredible film or, you know, have a new invention, like a lot of people don't realize like, Peloton started on Kickstarter, Allbirds started on Kickstarter, Oculus started on Kickstarter. A lot of amazing brands and inventions have started um, on Kickstarter and it's a viable option to do so. But to answer your question in terms of the advice that I would give to creators is number one, understanding the strength of your own audience. Sometimes you don't even realize all the people that out there that are willing to support you mm. and being able to leverage that. You gotta have a really grassroots mentality of like really engaging the people and the community around you that supports you, that knows you, that's on social media, that's that's IRL, really going out and maximizing, uh, maximizing your audience. And the second thing is like really studying and understanding digital marketing. The algorithms on social media are becoming more and more difficult. The early days of Kickstarter, you could post something on Twitter and everyone would see it or post it on Facebook or Instagram, right? That's not the case anymore. So a deep understanding of digital marketing or having someone with a deep understanding of digital marketing is really important. And lastly is really investing in the quality of your campaign, right? It's like, hey, are you creating video? Are you gonna have nice images of whatever you're trying to do? Are you gonna have a really compelling story to make sure that this is still marketing at the end of the day when you're trying to do crowdfunding. And so you wanna present yourself the best when doing so. As you were saying that, I was thinking that everything that you're describing is marketing. Yeah, This sure. is, you are a marketing background becoming the CEO and it now becomes a lot more clear of everything on Kickstarter requires marketing in order to be successful. Yes, 1,000%. I don't think I've thought about that before. Do you think that entrepreneurs realize how much of their time needs to be spent in getting an audience and getting the message out, making sure that you know you can invent something, but only until you start talking to the world do people Will people even find it? 1,000%. Like, as an entrepreneur, and, and you probably know my background, I've started my own companies. There's two main things that you really want to do as an entrepreneur early on. Number one is find product market fit, because once you find product market fit, at least when you start engaging people, you'll retain people, you'll have loyal customers and loyal users, right? Number two is marketing, understanding where your audience is, more importantly, who is your audience mm -hmm. and what is the best way to message them, engage them and entice them to use your product or service? Great. All right, I gotta ask you, Kickstarter has been trying out a four day work week. Yes. Is that something you're gonna continue? What have you found so far? Is it working, not working? What advice has become a very hot topic? What advice would you give to other CEOs who are thinking about that? All right, I gotta tell you a funny story. So. The Friday before I started at Kickstarter, I was still CMO of RT. So I had to turn my RT brain off, went into Kickstarter. That was last week, my first week at right. Kickstarter. And it was the end of the day, Thursday, and I get a note from someone that said, hey, hope you had a, a great first week. And I was like, well, that's weird. It's Thursday. Oh, and I remembered we have a four-day work week now. Um, and obviously a CEO, it's like, you know, it's not it's not four days for me, but um, 
you know, when I started to really see the numbers, we have an incredible chief strategy officer, uh, John Leland, who has really led those efforts. He actually just got named um, one of uh, CNN's 12 biggest risk takers wow. in business to really lead that charge for us. And uh, the first time I met him, he really talked about it, the, the productivity levels, and he's a data guy and he showed me the data. And I've spoken to people who have told me how much more they've been productive with this four day work week. And for me, I'm gonna continue this for the foreseeable future. If people are producing, I don't care if people work 10 hours, 20 hours, 40 hours, just get the work done and let's be productive and let's make an impact. And for me, work and life balance is extremely important. I spent a large part of my life really probably in a bad place, not really taking care of myself, not in the best space from a mental health perspective because I was not you know, giving myself proper self-care. And I think this is uh, a guardrail, especially for a lot of people that can't do that themselves. Hmm. So you're saying the numbers showed not just that productivity stayed flat, but actually grew yes. in the four-day work week? Productivity grew and people are happier. Huh. That's a win-win to me. Is there advice that you would give to others who are thinking about this? Is there something you need to do to prepare your workforce for a four-day work week? Yeah, I was coming in when you know we were ending our pilot and it was my choice to, to, to extend it or not. Um, but the advice that I would give is, you know your team, you know your company, whether it's being a remote company, whether it's a four-day work week, you know what works best for your company and, and what they need and what stage of the company you're at. Kickstarter is, is fortunate, it's, it's a big brand now, you know, it's a, it's a it's established company. Maybe at like a, a new startup, you might not wanna do a four day work week. You might have to grind a little bit harder. You might have to make some, some more sacrifices. And so I think it's really judging where you are in regards to your companies. I talk to a lot of friends at big companies and like, they're not doing much work on Fridays anyways. Right. So I think it really depends on the stage of the company. Great. And then I'd love to end these with career advice. Any kind yeah. of, you talked a little bit about the idea of being your own star. Any other, what do you tell people who have already started in the company, they come to you maybe at Artsy or, there, or, or, or Kickstarter, they come to you and say like, hey, what, what is it going to take to get ahead? What, what advice do you give? Well, number one, I want to say, uh, I just got introduced to this Japanese philosophy, um, Ikigai. I don't know if you ever heard no. of it. And the, one of the big reasons I came to Kickstarter um, is learning this philosophy and understanding that to really find happiness in your life, you kind of have to hit kind of these four pillars, which was really cool. Number one is um, finding a job that you can actually get paid for what you do, because sometimes our passions and the things that we love, we can't find a way to get paid for. Doing something that you're passionate about um, doing something that you're good at and understanding whether you're good at it or not. Some people are in jobs that they're not really good at. And number four is doing something that's good for the world. Hmm. And I felt like at Kickstarter, I finally found a place that hit all four. And that's a beautiful thing. And so the advice that I would give to a lot of people out there is like really find your center, find the things that you're good at, that you're passionate about, that you can get paid for, and also that you believe in this mission. What's good for the world is really just believing in the mission of what you're doing. I think that's extremely important. And uh, I spent a lot of my career focusing on what I was good at and what I could be paid for, not necessarily what I was passionate about or things that were mission aligned to me or that were necessarily good for the world. And Artsy was like a turn for me to finally start doing that. And Kickstarter is like, wow, this is wow. fully 
absolutely there. And the second thing I'll say is all good things come to those who stay true. In my entire career, I've stayed very authentic to myself. I didn't switch up, you know, at, at times where I was discouraged and I was like, oh, maybe I should go to college, you know, back to college or maybe I should do this or maybe I should get a traditional job. You know, I really stayed true to myself and my vision of what I wanted for my life and things worked out. And were you getting advice at the time to not do that? Oh man, I, I had a lot of advice to do different things like, oh, you should go get you know your college degree or oh, you should work at a big tech company. A lot of people tell you that to get those things because it shows that you uh, you know that you might be better for whatever job, you know and um, I just don't agree with that. Mm -hmm. I think I've had a very interesting experience throughout my career and I think there's not one single path for anyone. and um, I feel, uh, very fortunate that I continue to follow down the path that meant something to me. That was Everett Taylor, the brand new CEO of Kickstarter. To get even more out of this conversation, check out my newsletter on LinkedIn. It's also called This Is Working. Please remember to rate and review us on your favorite podcast listening app and tell a friend or colleague. That kind of word of mouth helps so much. This is Working is a production of LinkedIn News. The show is produced by Sarah Storm with help from Stephen Valdivia, Elias Avalos, Taisha Henry, Victoria Taylor, and Candace Weiner. Joe DeGiorgi mixes our show. Courtney Coop is head of original programming. Dave Pond is our head of news production. I'm Dan Roth, LinkedIn's editor-in-chief. Stay strong. See you soon.